Hi, What The Health Tech listeners. I'm your host this week, Matt Fuster, Chief Product Officer at Reda Healthcare. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas, and best practice in health and social care. This week, we're speaking to Julio Isoba Blanco, Senior Developer at Reda Healthcare. Outside of work, Julio is a keen walker. I remember we did three picks together, didn't we? Um, Loves playing football uh, and is currently preparing for a spring triathlon. Julio has also been granted an allotment, so the hard work is about to start there. I can actually I can echo that. Like allotments are much more hard work than you think they're going to be. Um, so, Julio, welcome to what the health tech. Thank you for having me. Um, so today, basically, we're going to try and discuss the day in the life of a software developer um, at Radar Healthcare. So basically, what you're getting involved in on a day to day basis, uh, and then the impact that kind of your role has on on basically our customers, you know, the healthcare systems and the partners we work with. So to begin with, um, can you kind of give our listeners a brief overview of what's involved in your role as a senior dev at Red Hat Healthcare? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm part of the development team. So yep. obviously, uh, you know, uh, I'm just another developer. Uh, I'm currently looking after two specific areas of the product. Uh, one of them being analytics, which we've been having issues uh, recently, but I think uh, now uh, we work out what was the issue and uh, we're in a better position. Um, the other one is uh, audits. So the new model of audits, uh, yeah. I've been working in the backend and I'm responsible just to lead uh, technically what we have to do and all the technical challenges. Uh, in addition to that, um, I am helping other developers, just making sure that there are no any blockers that are stopping us from doing what we should be doing. Um, um, trying to mentor other junior developers within the team, um, just preparing the releases at the end of each spring that I believe we'll talk about it later. So that mentoring bit, I'm already going off script earlier, sorry. That mentoring bit though, so how, how do you find that working with kind of some of the younger developers or some of the developers yeah. who are just starting? I think it's a great part of the what you do every day because uh, you got new starters, which we have increased a lot in the last few months. Um, uh, it's great because people come into the team with new ideas so you actually get to share uh, different points of view and you learn a lot so it's not just that you are giving it's as well you are receiving what you're trying to explain part of the product to other people so I think I really enjoy that I really enjoy having calls with other people I'm saying calls because we moved to work remotely uh, in the last uh, two years since uh, COVID so obviously now uh, I think the approach or how you help others change completely. Now you just share your screen, uh, you do, you make uh, a lot of video calls. Um, uh, yeah, it's different, but I really enjoyed that, that part of the, the job. Yeah, I think that's been a big change, hasn't it? The fact, I mean, we all used to be sat in a room together, what, two years ago, pre-COVID, um, and now, yeah, it, the, the switch to remote. Actually, I think development out of all the different departments is probably took to it the easiest you know not 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 that kind of everybody just wanted to work from home but i think as the the role lends itself to working from home a little bit doesn't it yeah i think the nature of the job helps because you know most of the time you are just sitting in front of a computer and you're just uh, trying to solve a problem yeah so yes it's not as interactive as for example yourself uh, you have to t- uh, talk to other people uh, so for us it was easy on top of that, we already uh, were working uh, two days a week from home before COVID, so it was just a natural step, really. Cool. So there's lots of stages in the day-to-day kind of development process at, at Radar. 
Um, and we've obviously kind of got different processes in place. So can you kind of, if you kind of explain, obviously, and I hopefully know it because I work with you, um, explain to the listeners kind of what our development methodology is and what the process looks like? Um, so if you refer, for example, how we manage the project, uh, we've got... So a bit of both. So yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we use uh, an agile methodology uh, named Scrum. So um, pretty much what we do is just two-week sprints, which that means for us is just a small project that lasts two weeks. At the end of that project, we have to deliver something. And it has to be in a shippable state, which it means is when we release uh, a new version to the customer, has to be uh, functional, has yeah. to work. Um, so on top of that, we got our internal processes within the dev team. So we got our uh, stand-ups every day, which we don't stand up anymore because we do it uh, via... So just uh, explain what a stand-up is then and what that, yeah. what that means. So basically in the stand-up, we just uh, touch base with everybody. Um, you just share whether you have any blocker that is uh, holding you up or you need help from other uh, team members and then a bit of um, overall view of what other people are doing so you are aware as well um, if you are facing um, something that uh, you know a problem that is similar to what another person mentioned then you say okay let me talk to that person and then maybe we can just uh, work together on this so but mainly is just in case that any, anybody have any issues. So mm-hmm. the whole team should be able to help. Uh, in particular, usually, is the person most um, expert in that area of the product. And how about things like retros, retrospectives? So that kind of, in terms of one of our processes, my, my view on that, by the way, in, in terms of the, the stand-up, is I, I think the, the bit we're good at you know, I think actually the bit we're really good at is that communication. So even though, and I know we kind of get to these questions a little bit later on, even though we've kind of grown and scaled up a little bit, the fact that as a team, we are, we, we communicate well, you know, we, we, as you talked about things like removing impediments and, and, and things like blockers and kind of in that same theme. So retros, I think are really kind of important and I'm saying retro, but nobody knows what I mean. So retrospectives, can you just kind of explain what that that is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, part of uh, the Agile methodology, Scrum, uh, what we do is retrospective meetings. So at the end of each sprint, so every 15 days, just remember, remember the listeners uh, that, you know, we got two-week sprints. Um, we do uh, have a meeting in which we share our feedback mm-hmm. from what we've done in the last 15 days. So the feedback can be about anything. So this is the, the good thing. Like... Um, so the whole idea of that meeting is see how we can improve for the next meeting, oh sorry, for the next sprint, and then um, see what we need to do and put in place that help us to be more productive, to uh, tackle some of the risk or issues that we identify. Um, in that respect, I must say that one thing that you probably like about it is uh, that we create this culture in, within the company, within the team, in which it's sort of a flat structure that mm-hmm. anybody can say anything, anything that crosses your mind. And I think that helps because uh, the feedback is so valuable to us that we can take it and say, okay, we can create an action out of this uh, feedback. Or actually, it's just nice to hear this because not all the feedback is about things that we found that don't work. Sometimes the feedback is very positive, like uh, the teen spirit, for example. That's yeah. something that usually come up a lot. So... Um, yeah, talking about the uh, 
retrospective meeting and what it means for us is key because otherwise we wouldn't evolve as a team. Um, not just because you need to evolve as a team, but we got new starters, you know, uh, recently, and that helps them as well to uh, to have a voice and to say, look, yeah. I started uh, last month and i missing, for example, this. And okay, fair enough. So we just update our documentation, our uh, processes and everything according to that. So it's key for us to evolve as a team. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I first started and, and I'd, I'd come from a place that paid lip service to, to those sorts of meetings. And a couple of things you mentioned there. So one, that that cultural thing and, and the fact that every, everybody's got every voice and, it, and it's non-judgmental as well. So it's not as if somebody says, you know, I've got this idea and everyone's like, mmm, it, it, you know, everyone's got the option to be able to just go, well, look, here's, here's what I think. And to be to begin with, we had some big rocks, didn't we? So, we had, so when we were talking, you know, to explain to people listening, mostly we use kind of a stop start continue method don't we so you know what should we stop doing you know things that are kind of you know bad behaviors or things that are getting in our way um what should we continue doing so things like the teamwork etc and then what should we start doing and we came from a place where actually we had quite a lot of starts and and we had some big things big challenges we needed to kind of address and then over the period of time that that thing of it always being two weeks and every two weeks, we're picking the things that we think is going to have the maximum impact. And in the nicest sense, we're, we're, we're all committing to say we're going to implement those for the next time we sit down and, and have the meeting. And we've come from a place where, as I say, we, we had challenges and we had things that we needed to fix to a place now where actually, you know, we, we, we run, don't get me wrong, we're not perfect in any way, shape or form, but we're, we're in a much better place than we were. But that little macro, micro, should I say, changes, you know, every two weeks we're putting something in place to, to improve the way we're working. I, I always think when I'm out speaking to other customers, especially healthcare, that methodology, you can translate it to anything really, can't you? You know, you just sit, this, this non-judgmental space where people can share what they're doing, share their ideas about, you know, start, stop, continue, yeah, that that lends itself to any industry, really, doesn't it? You could do that. You could do that anywhere. Absolutely. And then you, we can see the results now. As you said, looking back of where yeah. we were and where we are now, you can see the difference. You can see how we apply some of the uh, feedback that we got and create actions of it. Um, today we are in a much better position. There are challenges every month because yeah. uh, again you got new starters, you got new people, uh, different dynamics within the team. A different level of expertise, uh, so completely changes. But one thing that I will highlight about my uh, uh, colleagues is when we create an action, you know, in order for that action to be uh, action, uh, we need an owner. You yeah. need an ownership of that. And there is never a, a time in which you, you leave the room and there is no someone volunteering to it. So yeah. that is part of the culture of the team that I'm really proud to say, you know, we got this uh, nice place to work uh, in um, uh, that I think helped us to evolve as a team. And yeah, part of looking back now and say where we are now, this is great. This is part of uh, why. So yeah, no, that's great. There's a little bit of that, probably a term, I don't know if it's the right term to be fair, but cabinet responsibility of actually in that space you can challenge, you can, you know, we can discuss whatever it looks like, but we all walk out of the room, virtual or otherwise, agreeing to commit to whatever the actions that we've we've said, these are the things that are going to make a difference. Yeah, I think I think that's key. So, I mean, kind of slightly tying into that. So we've obviously grown 
pretty significantly in the like last 18 months or so. The teams have kind of uh, trebled in size, I think. We've kind of gone up. I don't know how many devs we are now, but there's a lot more than just the, the, the way we had when we were all sat in the room together. Um, so obviously that comes with its own set of challenges about how we scale up. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how that has, has kind of um, had an impact on you, how it's had an impact on the team and how we've overcome those challenges? Yeah, so I think that we are still to say is we split the team in two. So yeah. we used to be a, a one team, uh, obviously more people coming in. Um, it was difficult to manage everybody and to be, you know, um, be aware of what's going on. Uh, um, uh, to hold these meetings, uh, sometimes the stand-ups, you know, it will uh, take uh, forever. So we decided to split the team in two, uh, which is now um, a projects team, which uh, focus on um, features or projects that are medium long term mm -hmm. and then we got the business as usual team which we just named BAU uh, which deals with everything else yeah um, so that is the obvious uh, thing uh, that comes to mind like the difference from before um, within the projects team we got contractors as well uh, to help us with the new uh, audits audits module sorry so again uh, you think about it and we got another team that grew significantly within the department. So what we did in the uh, projects team, it is subdividing the team in two different uh, sub-teams. Uh, so we got the front-end team, which is uh, pretty much dedicated to all the UI, UX stuff, um, some functionality as well. And then we got the back-end team, in which I'm happy to say that I've been leading uh, the last few uh, months. Um, uh, yeah, so that is the main uh, change in the structure of the team. Yeah. Then in terms of um, um, helping people um, to start uh, working with us. So we got an amazing customer experience uh, team and they help us a lot as well with internally. So what we do is uh, we uh, send people in an induction training about our product. So the same that we give to our customers, yeah. we give it internally so people understand the business uh, logic behind everything. So once you understand that, you are ready to start looking at code. And I think that's key for us because um, once uh, we get to start coding with the new startup, understand what the product should do, and it's just easier to code. Um, we had this issue before uh, when I started myself, it was a bit more like, yes, you got some help from the um, from the people from customer experience, which I think I believe it was a different name that department at the time. Yeah, um, uh, you work out the business logic out of the code, so you use, apply some reverse engineering uh, them, and it was more difficult because um, you will have to spend longer. Um, sometimes you wouldn't feel confident about making changes, whereas now you can see people starting and within a week. They are really, um, you know, keen to start working, yeah. reading the code, understand the product, and you know, the help from second week, third week, uh, which is amazing. So I think, obviously, come with challenges, but at the same time, I think, um, as I said earlier, we evolve as a team. We learn from the new starters that we had before, and now we know what they need. Obviously, there will be things that they will fit back to us in the future that they say, oh, we can improve this. But I think, generally speaking, um, the new starters uh, got this new starter pack, which helped us a, a lot. Mm. And I think that's probably the main changes I can highlight, I can see from 
uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think we can do more in terms of getting the developers, not necessarily out with customers all the time, but I know, you know, the, some some more than others have kind of spent time kind of in beta sessions and kind of meeting customers and things like that. I think we, we can probably get a little bit better at that. And I think when we, when we had one team, those kind of lines of communication within that team were, again, you know, we were, we were quite, quite a close-knit team and, you know, we almost had that perfect thing of the right amount of developers to testers and there was kind of a nice balance there trying to kind of for us as a kind of business challenge take that model that made us successful in the first place and we you know we were productive and we were you know back to your thing about the sprints we were shipping value all the time we we're always releasing new features for people to kind of replicate that across all of the different teams we create in a way that you know still it delivers that same thing and almost doesn't lose the culture as well mm. you know because one of the, we don't want to suddenly scale up to 50 devs and that you know we've become sort of i don't know production house and we're just churning stuff out that, that we need to keep that somehow and I, I don't know the answer to it i don't think but that bit of how do we maintain how that team works in the in the first place i think that that'll yeah. be key to us being successful going forwards and i don't, I don't have all the answers as you can tell yeah no it's um i think it's a fair uh, thing to highlight um I think when we prepare a job interview, one of the things that um, we try and extract from that uh, interview yeah. is the personality yeah. of the of the candidate. Um, it needs to be a fit. So uh, I must admit that we rejected people just on the basis that we thought they, you know, technically were really good, but personality-wise, we wouldn't consider that that person would fit it within the team. Hmm. I mean, may disrupt the national environment that we had is it maybe sounds a bit unfair but you got a job interview and you have to strike as much as possible within the interview so you know you use your own tools to uh, try and see how person will fit in within your team you know job interviews are always unfair yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a difficult process you go there you, you turn up you know you get at ask lots of questions and you do as as, as best as you can um but yeah, we definitely use uh, uh, job interviews for that. And I think uh, that's been key. Um, just something to highlight, for example, uh, the turnover that we got uh, is very low as in people leaving the company uh, within the development team. Uh, I think it's been like think two people yeah. in the last five years yeah. within the development team, which is quite unusual. Uh, that includes uh, all the developers and testers. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, we may do something right uh, when we hire people because people are happy and people stay with us for a long time. Yeah, right. So in terms of kind of current projects and uh, what, what you're working on at the minute, what part of Radar? So um, currently I'm working on uh, two specific areas of the product, which uh, one was analytics. Um, so we've been hitting some performance issues uh, in the last few months. Um, we try to identify what the cost, the cost was, the root cost uh, was. For, sorry, uh, we've been working with our partner, uh, SciSense, which is helping us with analytics. Uh, um, we identify several uh, issues. We work on some of them. Uh, I'm happy to say that uh, the product seems to be performing much better nowadays. It took us a bit of time to uh, tackle all of them because yeah. they were uh, there wasn't just one root cause. There were several uh, spread across uh, the product that was, were um, slowing down uh, the performance of SciSense. There was one particular area that we need to improve. 
uh, and once we tackled that, uh, it was uh, performing much, much better. It took us a bit of time to release this to the customers because we wanted to be sure that that was the right solution. Yeah. Um, as well, because of the releasing process for analytics, it's a bit complicated sometimes. Uh, so that's why it took us a bit longer. But I think uh, the product is performing much better now. Um, uh, yeah, it's been... Uh, that's it's, a, it's an, I mean, it's been a long... In some, and let's be honest, both of us been working on this. It's been painful in some points, hasn't it? I think from a customer point of view, because obviously they don't see what goes on in the background, do they? They don't see, you know, th- there's a frustration there because they're trying to use this part of the product. And it's great that there's a frustration there, which sounds a bit of a daft thing to say, but, you know, mm. we would much rather people were going, this thing's too slow, this thing doesn't quite work for us, because at least you're getting the feedback then to kind of go, yeah. well, actually, we, you know, one, you're using it, great, because we built it and somebody wants to use it. Uh, and then the bit of, well, actually now you're using it and you're getting frustrations, that gives us a direction in terms of what we need to kind of do in terms of de- in terms of development. But I think people, listeners, for a developer, obviously never see that stuff, do they? They never see the yeah. work, the, you know, the hard work that goes in, in the, behind the scenes in, in, you know, I don't know how much effort you've put into this, trying to fix these issues so they get a better product. Yeah. So, obviously you may find what the root cause of the issue is, but you always want to make sure that, you know, that fixes all the issues and yeah. that takes time. You need to make sure that, you know, it works in different case scenario um, um, and that that helps. Uh, just picking up what you said about the frustration of the customers, uh, in a way, I pick it up as something positive as well. Yeah, because yeah, that means that they are using it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's adding uh, business value to them. Mm-hmm. So obviously we wanted to be uh, proactive and fix this uh, as soon as we notice uh, ourselves. And then we got this report uh, report from the customers. And yeah, I think just picking up about the, uh, the work that we do in the background uh, developers is, you know, I can I can tell you and you know about this that we've been working flat out to fix this. Yeah. But uh, it's not always easy because you need to identify the root cause. You need to identify um, different approaches that can solve this, and then you need to apply them. Uh, hopefully, the first approach is the one that works. But it's not always the case. Yeah. So sometimes it's a, a you know trial and error. Uh, you know. Um, yeah. And move on to the next approach and and then, But yeah, I think uh, it's good to hear about people, uh, I wouldn't say complaining, but uh, providing some uh, feedback, even if it's negative sometimes, to help us improve. So definitely, uh, I take that as a positive always. Yeah, 100%. Um, And then the other project you're working on, audits, how's that going? Yeah, that's right. So I am working on audits. I am uh, pretty much focused on the backend, uh, which uh, just to explain to listeners, what we're trying to do in audits is a we are replacing how audits work, so um, you probably uh, can listen to another podcast about that. Um, and how There's a couple work. of webinars as well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, uh, some webinars as well. But uh, what we're trying to do um, uh, in audits, and I refer to the backend as the part of the product that uh, is in our service, um, what we're trying to do is uh, implement it in a way that anybody or any customer can talk to our system in the background. Yeah. So what we're trying to do now is moving for something that we sometimes call monolith uh, in the uh, dev world, uh, dev, uh, world. but um, what we're trying to do is uh, creating something that uh, a machine can talk to a machine. Mm-hmm. And our machine is gonna understand that and it's gonna implement whatever you tell our machine. 
at the moment we are just doing it for audit. So what it means is you pretty much will be able to open radar to the wall, um, let our customers talk to our product in the backend and uh, perform different actions. There is a lot to it, so I'm going to stop here because obviously I could spend the whole uh, podcast talking about it. But, but the thing about being API driven and about, like you say, currently in radar, the way to, yeah, it's, it's strange because you kind of think, well, how technical do you go in terms of explaining something? But the whole principle of what we're trying to do, even where we're going with some of the future projects, like what we're doing with analytics and pulse-driven events and data-driven events and uh, you know IoT device-driven events, that concept of actually, not that you, you're, you're allowing anyone to kind of access into radar, but, the, but fundamentally to develop API first. So yeah. rather than it being, as you said you know, previously, it's just you can't necessarily communicate with the different elements of radar. So we could literally take our audits module and separate it out into something else that somebody could use. You know, yeah. so you can literally just pick it up, shift it somewhere else, and somebody could use it. You could even embed it in somebody else's product if you wanted to. Yeah, so just to try and explain to listeners, uh, you know, as, I don't know, uh, non-technical as possible, um, what we try to do is just open some part of the product yeah. um, that uh, you can talk to. So obviously you first have to be authorized to do that. Uh, and secondly, you have to know what you want to do. So we got documentation. At the moment it's only internal documentation that tells you how to achieve that. Um, so the idea will be open up that to the world, which means that if you got the credentials, you should be able to tell your IT team, I want to talk to Radar. And then you should be able to perform some actions. So that opens a different world uh, yeah. to our customers because if you got an IT team uh, within your uh, uh, company, uh, then you'll be able to do all this. Like uh, you'll be able to sync uh, your own system with ours. You will be able to um, create an action out of something that happened internally into your system, yeah. and potentially you'll be able to do that without having to click in any button. Yeah, it should. It's it's machine like you said, machine to machine. So yeah, it it could be you you you're passing information into audit to create an audit, create a scoring mechanism. You create an event in radar, workforce compliance. You might be pushing your e-learning information into it, so you're not having to kind of manually do any any kind of duplication of effort there. Yeah, I think that's really exciting. To yeah, within radar, anything you can think of, any action that you can think of, you can perform in radar at the moment. We should be able to perform that. Uh, you know with a trigger yeah. that, you know, there are certain, certain conditions that are met and then that uh, triggers that and creates that or perform that action in our system. So yeah, de- definitely very exciting. We just starting now, yeah. but uh, yeah, very excited about the possibilities that it brings uh, uh, to us. Yeah, yeah, it's been a de- definitely a learning curve. Um, so how's how's the beta going of, uh, of audits? I mean, I don't know, I, I probably know a bit more than you about that, but I'll ask you the question anyway. Yeah, so I think I'm going to talk from the development team perspective. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we think that um, the customer satisfaction is high so far. Um, we've been reported only one issue, uh, which was a performance issue that it was due to several things. One of them is uh, our radar is a product which uh, the permissions are very granular. So pretty much every single thing that you see in radar uh, has a permission attached to it and then there are exceptions on top of the permissions. So uh, it's quite complex, that logic, and you have to run it for every single item that you see in Radar. So we just have to come up with something to uh, to fix that. Um, yeah. I think it's uh, performing much better now. 
Um, so given that still uh, is a Vita version and we only have one issue, I will say that technically as well, uh, the satisfaction is... Uh, I mean, let's, we've definitely had more than one issue up to this point, but the minute there's only one live, there's one live issue. But that point about right. that, 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 that beta mechanism where you... And back to almost you're talking about the agile methodology and, and you know, buzzwords and things like MVP, so minimum viable products. The way we develop is... And it's probably been slightly different with audits because we're replacing something that already exists. So a customer's mm. already got a minimum expectation, which is probably more than what you would normally have as a minimum viable product. But that mechanism we have of, you know, we give it to the, you know, we start almost on paper. We you know, we, what do you think to this? Give it to the customer, get some feedback, workshops, all that kind of good stuff. And then that development cycle of, you know, again, you're giving it to them with the caveat of this thing is a beta and you will find problems with it. It will have bugs in it. It won't work properly in some areas. It yeah. will be slow. And, you know, even down to the fact you might press this button, <laughs> you lose data, whatever whatever the stuff looks like. Um, that, I think, works though, doesn't it? Because as, as that process of you guys understanding where you need to then go off and focus your efforts, so back to you, okay, now I've got one problem. You've got one problem at the minute, to be fair, which is that, but you know that that's the frustration that the users have, which this thing's not performing in this particular area. So it helps you to kind of go, oh, right, okay, I need to fix this thing. And it helps us prioritize as well, yeah. doesn't it? If you, yeah. if you beat a customer as a shout, all shouting, right, this thing doesn't work, you need to fix this, then it helps us really easy to go, well, that's the next thing we work on because that's the thing that's causing everybody loads of grief. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in the development team, I think the lead time that we got is in Radar, which again, the lead time, let me explain what that means. It means that, since something is reported to our uh, team, what it takes to reach us, development team, and for us to pick it up and start working on it, and then releasing it. So that is the lead time. And I think it's quite low, because uh, we are quite good uh, picking up uh, quickly uh, any report, any feedback that we get, um, transform that into an action. That reaches the development team, and the development team, as we, as we uh, pointed earlier, we work in a two-week uh, sprints, mm-hmm. so that we're going to be uh, working the next spring uh, and then we are able to deliver it you know one or two weeks later so i think the lead time is quite low uh, is uh, within the uh, development goal is uh, what is expected is an average time yeah uh, if it goes over a month probably it's just you need to review your processes but i think it's uh, within reason and um yeah i think um I lost the thread, sorry. No, no, it's all right. Yeah, I was just saying that I think uh, in that respect, uh, I think it works because you get feedback from the users yeah. quickly and yeah. then you are able to to kind of maybe change the direction of what you were going with audits and or prioritize your work and try and fix that first. And then you build upon something that already works and the customer is satisfied with. Yeah, always trying to iterate. And you're right, you're never going to, you never start off with, here's a perfect design. It's like, oh, I've built, you know, here's what we're going to do and it, and it, and it never changes because that's the, the completely wrong way to develop because you're not, you're not taking feedback. I've actually got a stat here, so I'll try and read it. I've got my kind of old man eyes, so I'm going to have to step back from the paper. So 29% of all the customer ideas that have ever come through kind of the beta process or the forums have been implemented and 13% are planned. So I think that's pretty significant to be fair. You know, that, that really gives a good clear indication of you know, we do listen to the feedback that the customers are giving to us. I mean, that's nearly fifty percent of stuff people are asking us to do. We end, we end up we end up developing. Um, so if if kind of moving on a little bit from that, so if if somebody wanted to get into development, 
So if you're speaking to kind of like, I don't, did you did you always want it to be a developer? By the way, it's like a little mini Julio running around going, oh, I want to be a developer. Uh, that's a good question. No, no actually, I, I, I think when I turned 16, I realized that I liked this world. Um, it's, I think it's just this thing inside you that like knowing how things work. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just playing video games with my computer, but I always wondered how things work behind that, you know, black box. And you don't know, I think that interest took me into a two year course. Yeah. And that led, uh, sorry, led to me going to university and trying to uh, study computer science. But until then, not really. Um, I was just happy with my, you know, uh, football, um, all the kind of things that the young yeah. do nowadays. Um, no, I didn't have that interest from a very, uh, very early age. Uh, it was more kind of developed once, uh, uh, you know, I have this uh, idea of, I just want to see how this works. Yeah. I want to tear Curious. a computer apart yeah. and understand how it works. Um, just uh, as a warning, uh, the computer science degree doesn't really help you to do that. <laughs> uh, it gives you some pointers, yeah. uh, but uh, it definitely, uh, you know, got me into the development world, which I love. I didn't know about it until I started my uh, two-year course and then I fell in love with that because uh, my first interest was to see how the computer worked. But mm. then kind of when I started the two-year course, they got these uh, assignments, which you just get into a notepad and then you start coding things. And it's like, okay, I really like how this works. Right. I want to know more about this. And then after the two-year course, I just I was just consuming it. I needed to know, to know more. And that's how I tried to get into the... Um, into a computer science degree and yeah since then um, here I am and I still love it yeah good well, that's um, good any advice to somebody just starting out then um, I think yes um, I think the mindset um, it must be like you like solving problems and then you you don't give up easily I'm saying this because I've been uh, studying with uh, some uh, friends really um um, when they got into the uh, working uh, role of yeah. you know uh, the side of the computer science degree that you do, but the one that you apply and you know you find uh, in a job environment, they didn't like it mm. because uh, many times you are frustrated. You don't know how to solve a problem, and the important thing is you don't give up. And I'm saying this as an advice because you don't want to spend your time studying computer science degree and then not applying it. Uh, it's not, I would say, an easy um, uh, degree to do. And then if you, you know, if you're going to give up, obviously don't go into it. If, if you, sorry, I, I'm not yeah, trying yeah, to no, quite people to come yeah. to it, but <laughs> I think one thing that I noticed is many friends that left it and, you know, they are now uh, working on something that has nothing to do with computers. Right. So that's my advice. And then the second one is, uh, I think, just give it a try. Um, yeah. There are so many, uh, there's so much material now on the internet that actually it doesn't have to be like me, like uh, do a two year course and then realizing that I love coding. You probably can try out uh, before that. Honestly, go go online, try and find some yeah, tutorials, loads of stuff now, read, yeah. and then you're going to see quickly whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, and I think with computer science, uh, there is one thing, especially with the development world, is whether you like it or not. 
and I think there is no middle ground for that. Okay. Uh, and then, again, kind of personal point of view, what's the thing you love the most about the development within kind of the healthcare market that we're working in, in, in at the moment? Is there anything kind of in particular that you're passionate about when it comes to that and working with Radar Healthcare? Well, um, so I can refer to my previous role. Um, I was working in a different industry. Um, I think, so that industry that I was working on, it was debt collection. Right. So for me, moving into healthcare, it just changes because yeah. I wouldn't say I was uh, embarrassed to say to people, you know, the the industry that I was working on, uh, working in uh, before I joined Radar. But definitely I feel now uh, that pride that I work for uh, yeah. healthcare, you know, in the healthcare industry, um, that makes a difference to people. Mm. Uh, that is something that, you know, I really feel, feel proud about it because it's not just the technical challenges uh, in Radar, with we got quite a lot, but it's as well the industry that you're working is yeah. important. And if you can make a difference to people out there, you know, to just get a better care, then yes, I feel proud about it. And I'm really happy that I'm working on this industry. Yeah, I mean, I'm the, I mean, I wasn't debt collection, but I was kind of pubs and bars and mm-hmm. vending machines and things like that. And you kind of think, well, you know, it's, it, it, you know, not, not that way. We, we, we make a difference, you know, we, we do if people use our product properly and people kind of, you know, engage with it. And, you know, I've just done a podcast on the analytics and how that helps people transform the way they deliver care. If people use it properly, it does, you know, help patient safety, you know, so fundamentally yeah. that is, you know, I don't disagree. I think it's nice to have something from a work point of view that, yeah, you're right, you kind of go, this is what I do. I'm actually quite proud of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, yes. You know, is uh, we always, you know, Care is important for yeah. us, uh, you know, getting a good care. Um, yeah, it's just that pride that you feel when you say, I'm working in healthcare, and you know, I think I help people to give better care to our elder people, to just uh, people that are not at their best at the moment, you know, so it's great. Yeah, 100%. Um, so at the end of each episode, we ask everybody to describe their what the health tech moment. So the, basically a bit of a fun question and we want to hear any kind of weird or wonderful stories that you've experienced in health and social care or any, if you can't think of anything weird and wonderful, um, anything that's made a real impact on you or any kind of life-changing moment in the industry. Um, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to sound very boring, but I think since, joined, since I joined Radar, I think you just want to highlight uh, that. I've been working with different uh, people in my career. Um, I think definitely I've been the happiest here in Radar. Um, I'm not afraid to say it. Like, you know, it's something that I value a lot yeah. and it's important uh, to me. So sorry for not coming with a, uh, coming up with a boring uh, theme, but uh, I just don't have anything really like happened to me while I was uh, working in, in no, I mean if it makes you feel any better I was the same I I, didn't, I think my, my story wasn't wasn't anything but I mean that's a good thing isn't it you know you, 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 you did love working it it's great um, cool brilliant thank you very much for your time Julio that was amazing um, so thanks again for joining us this week and thanks to everybody for listening next week we're going to hear from Joanne Howard who is Director of Nursing and Quality at Molling Health so tune in then Uh, And don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you've got any questions for for us or guests, please email us at whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com.